Everyone knows that the words echoing throughout your head are just your own thoughts. But sometimes your brain can trick you into thinking and hearing things that do not seem like they are coming from yourself. That was the case of Jim Gordon. These voices slowly got worse and worse until he was believing a reality that did not exist and that things were happening that were not real. Driving him off the deep end because he had been ignored by doctors far too many times and had taken far too many wrong pills to cure the voices screaming in his head. Those voices are enough to drive even the most sane person crazy enough to kill. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's episode is about Jim Gordon. Um, Before we jump into it, however, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about next week. We are going to start the Christmas schedule next week. We are going to actually do seven days of Christmas and crime. So we're just going to talk crime every single day up until Christmas. That I'm like so excited about and also so worried about because that's a lot of things to post all at once, but I really wanted to do something special for Christmas. And I just feel like seven days of Christmas in crime is just a great way to end our year. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everybody that has listened so far. I am kind of blown away by how many people we've already gotten in six months. I mean, you guys, I honestly didn't think I'd even get one person listening and to see my numbers and how they just grow and grow every day. That is insane. And I wanted to say thank you to every single one of you and every single one of you that has followed me on whichever major podcast site you listen to me on and especially the ones that follow me on my social media. Um, I'm not the greatest at posting on those. I don't have a ton of followers, but I do have a couple people and that really makes me excited that, you know, I have quite a few followers now and my social medias are slowly growing. This year has been really crazy. We've accomplished a lot of things and I really couldn't have done it without you guys. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. And here's to 2022, you guys. I'm so excited for what I have in store and I'm so excited to just grow together. So I wanted to say thank you. Anyways, let's get back on the Christmas schedule. So like I said, today's episode is going to be the last for the rest of this year of the normal episodes. Now don't freak out on me though, because Christmas, I have a lot more fun things. Like I said, seven days of Christmas and crime. So that is going to start on Sunday the 19th. That's going to go all week until Christmas night. You'll get a final episode on Christmas night from me. So all the way up until Christmas, you're going to have a new episode every single day. And I did want to say, because that is a lot of uploading all in one week, that's a lot of extra work for me. Um, You know what I mean? I am going to take the next week off after that. So from Sunday the 26th to Saturday the 1st in January, that's how long I'm just going to take a small break, just a week. Um, But we will be back Sunday the 2nd. So anyways, let's jump into today's case. 
Um, Jim Gordon. Now, Jim Gordon was raised in San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. This is where he would attend high school at Grant High School. While he was in high school, he was offered a music scholarship to UCLA. UCLA wanted to give him the chance to start a professional career with them because of his musical talent. He was a fabulous musician, you guys. But he backed out of it. I'm not exactly sure why, and I have to think it's because Jim didn't want to be held down. He wanted to go out there, be a musician, and do everything his way, and I don't blame him for that. So even though Jim Gordon didn't have a scholarship, you know, or like a lot more schooling to show people, he still managed to become one of the most sought-after drummers in Los Angeles. He had just killer music skills. Everybody wanted to record with him, you guys. He ended up working with a lot of popular people at the time. He recorded with people like the Beach Boys, for example. And before his incident, he was actually so busy working as a studio musician, because that's what he really liked to do, that he would fly back to Los Angeles from Las Vegas every single day so that he could do two or three sessions with somebody in the studio. Then he would fly back home so he could play at his evening show at the Caesar Palace. So he was like so busy, you guys, and he was making a lot of money doing it. Now, before we really jump into this timeline, though, of things to follow, let's talk a little bit about his mental health. Jim had begun to develop schizophrenia. Schizophrenia will usually begin to show up in somebody in their late 20s. This was no different for Jim. In his late 20s, a lot of weird things started happening. He would begin to hear multiple different voices. One of those voices is interesting to note was his mother's. These voices would begin to tell him just terrible things you guys they would begin to tell him that he needed to do things like starve himself and he is reported in saying to doctors that they would keep him up at night because they would just shout and scream in his head making it impossible for him to sleep obviously these are not just jim's normal thoughts these are something a lot worse I'm not saying that your normal thoughts won't keep you awake at night because I have spent many a night sitting there unable to sleep, but to the point that Jim was talking about was that it was almost like somebody was screaming in his ear all night, 24-7. Once it got to this point though, Jim decided that he wanted to start getting help and he actually tried to get help multiple different times. but. Every time he would go to another doctor, they would always end up misdiagnosing him. Nobody seemed to listen to what Jim had to say, and nobody really seemed to care about Jim. A lot of them would tell him things like how he was an alcoholic, how he had all these other diagnoses, and they would hand him different pills to treat these false diagnoses. Now, I wanted to bring up that I do know... If you medicate somebody for something they do not have, that can be catastrophic. 
I have actually talked to some psychologists and they say things like if you were to put somebody with PTSD in a room with somebody with ADHD, from an untrained eye, you would not be able to tell that they were any different. A lot of people can be misdiagnosed too with lack of sleep, for example. So like if you have insomnia and you go see a a psychiatrist or a therapist or something, a lot of times they will misdiagnose you because they don't go into the sleep side of things very often with things like bipolar, paranoia, schizophrenia. And this is because of how these things can present themselves. Now, I've also learned that, for example, if you diagnose somebody with PTSD with ADHD because they do look very similar and can have very similar reactions and side effects, if you were to give somebody with that PTSD ADHD medication, it would literally send them into a manic break. It will send them into just a complete brain malfunction their anxiety and paranoia will go through the roof and it can cause them to develop further mental health issues um so for him to have schizophrenia and being diagnosed with bipolar and alcoholism and all these other things and being handed all these different medications it is not that hard to see how jim could and did go off the deep end I'm not saying that Jim went off the deep end because he was misdiagnosed, because I'm not sure about that. But what I'm saying is the fact that he was taking all these different medications to help problems that he did not actually have, and none of them actually helped that schizophrenia that he did, in fact, clearly have, could have been, you know, an assistance to this mental break that he hits. So a misdiagnosis of mental disorders is very, very dangerous and very, very bad for somebody. I do think this is what led him to start to be violent towards people. Obviously, I'm not a mental health professional, so I can't for sure tell you. But just based off of the things that I know already about talking to a psychologist and a therapist about these kind of things... If he was misdiagnosed and was being treated by something that he did not have, that could warrant him in enough rage to, for example, punch one of his girlfriends, which he in fact did. Obviously, this did end their relationship and they broke up. And I can only feel for that girlfriend because, yes, leave him. Like, queen, do what's best for you. Yes, if he hits you, leave him. But also, can you imagine if... It was the pills that did that to Jim. You know, the misdiagnosis and the overdose on things that he did not need. I actually had a family member who was in a similar situation. And and the male in this relationship was trying to take his own medication, for example. And they had actually diagnosed him with much too high of a dose. And one day after being on this such high dose of medication for, you know, over a month... He snapped and he picked his wife up and he threw her across the house. Um, She left. She did not divorce him, though. She just moved out and got an apartment. And, you know, it took them six months before they found out what was going on. And he just got worse and worse and worse. And he got more mad and angry and he was breaking things. It took his daughter going and looking through his pillbox when he complained that, you know, the doctors weren't listening to him and he was sure something else was wrong for her to find out that he not only was he taking too much but they were also over 
medicating him. And it was causing all of this as a side effect. So it could have definitely been Jim's case where he was misdiagnosed and taking medication that caused this kind of, you know, rage to build up in him. After this happened, we're going to go ahead and jump into the timeline now. So like I said, he punched his girlfriend. They broke up. Um, that was really the start of, you know, Jim's down spiral. Let's talk a little bit about the timeline of his success before we go into these incidents because Jim Gordon wasn't always a bad guy. I mean, he was popular, like I said. In 1969 to 1970, Jim would end up going on tour with a backing band for Delaney and Bonnie. These people who played in this tour would actually end up going on to create a new band together with Jim, a part of this new band. This band was called Derek and the Dominoes. Jim would play in their 1970s double album and would play in multiple of their love songs and began to go on a lot of tours with the band through the US and the UK. Even though this band was gaining a lot of popularity, during their second album, they decided that it was time that they all go separate ways, and this band split up in 1971. Before this band split up, however, later in the 1970s, Jim would be a part of Joe Cocker's Mad Dogs and Englishman tour. He also played on the album Alone Together by Dave Mason the same year. Then in 1971, the year his band split up, Jim would end up going on tour with Traffic, and he would then appear on two separate of their albums. The same year, Harry Nilsson asked him to play on one of his albums. In 1972, he would be the drummer on the incredible Bongo Bands album, Bongo Rock. He also got asked by Frank Zappa to be a part of his music, and he played drums on Helen Reddy's album, I Am Woman. Then, in 1973, he would join Johnny Rivers' Blue Suede Shoes and would also be on Art Gefunkel's Angel Claire album. He also joined a tour with Johnny Rivers, as well as throughout most of 1974. He also ended up playing on most of the songs in Pretzel Logic by Steely Dan. This is when Chris Hillman asked him from 1973 to 1975 to join him and work with him for a while. He then joined Alice's Cooper's album, Alice Cooper Goes to Hell, and played three tracks on that as well. Like I said, he was very popular, and a lot of people wanted him to come and record with them. He could literally charge double, you guys, if not triple, than what most of the professional session drummers were charging at the time. And this was because he was so sought after and was so good. People were literally fighting over him to be part of their music. His career was booming, and if he would have been able to get his mental health on track before he had this mental break, who knows what Jim Gordon could have done today. But, like I said, after he punched his girlfriend, a downward spiral started. Everyone he worked with could see that Jim was a mess and that Jim was struggling. They didn't know how bad, though, and nobody really asked him. Jim was a great drummer, but he was also a huge mess, and a lot of people were aware of these issues. They weren't aware of what kind or how bad they were, but nobody seemed to care to ask Jim if he was okay. And honestly, I'm not even sure if Jim would have told them. Jim was unpredictable. 
They never knew if Jim was going to be a nice guy or if he was going to come unhinged at any moment. Everybody that worked with Jim talked about how he was always very hyped up on drugs. Drugs, alcohol, or these prescription medications that everybody gave him. That is one of the reasons why nobody ever asked him if he was okay. Some of them thought it was the drugs. Some of them thought it was the side effects. Some of them thought that that's just how Jim was. But it was because Jim was slowly getting worse and worse and worse. But they talked about how he could literally be on this edge of a mental breakdown, hopped up on drugs, drunk, all of these things. But as soon as you got Jim into a recording studio or a session or on stage, he would always play perfectly. It was amazing. Jim just became himself no matter what was going on. And that's why nobody knew what was going on. Jim was clearly mentally unwell, but he had also never told anybody about the voices that he was hearing in his head. Nobody knew how bad it was, and nobody knew what these voices were saying to him. Let's jump forward to June 3rd, 1983. This is when Jim would have his mental break. Once this mental break started, he decided that he was going to drive to his mother's home. His mother was 72 years old at this time. When he arrived at her home, I do not know if he broke in or if his mother let him in. Either way, he came with a hammer and a knife in hand. I can't tell you a lot about why Jim did it. I saw a lot of different sources, some of it saying one of them was to try to get one of those voices in his head to shut up, that woman that sounded like his mom that talked to him to get her to go away, but most of them talked about how those voices told him that his mother was evil and was going to kill him and that he needed to kill her first. And that's what he did. Jim Gordon would end up fatally stabbing his mother as he was being told by these voices to murder her. It's reported that this is possibly similar to what would happen when he would get violent with those girlfriends. Like I said, it could have been medication, it could have not. Those voices could have literally been yelling at him so much that he couldn't think straight and all that he wanted to do was to listen to them to get them to shut up. When these voices would tell him to hurt somebody, he would just do it to get them to stop. And that's what they think happened that night. Jim attacked her very first with that hammer. When she was on the ground, he would seal the deal with that large butcher knife that he had with him and officially stab his mother to death. She was killed by the stab wound. Obviously and easily, they found Jim and they knew it was him. It was a very cut and dry case. Brought him in, looked at the evidence, talked to him, booked him. During his trial, they ended up deciding they were going to give a proper diagnosis. And I know we're kind of jumping really fast, 
but I couldn't find a lot about, you know, investigation. It was so cut and dry that there wasn't much reported. In this trial, like I said, they decided to sit him down again with another psychologist. He was given a proper diagnosis finally, where finally, after years of trying and medicating and trying all these different things to get these voices to stop, somebody looked Jim Gordon in the eye and told him he had schizophrenia. Jim Gordon was schizophrenic. But with a recent change in California's law where he was held accountable, they were unable to use the insanity defense. And Jim Gordon was found guilty of murder and sentenced to 16 years to life in prison on July 10th, 1984. During his time in prison, he's been up for multiple parole hearings, multiple different times. Every single time these hearings come up, however, Jim just doesn't show up. Therefore, He's never been given parole. The people working at his prison are reported in telling the public that he is still severely mentally unwell and that he is definitely not ready for the outside world and may never be ready. When he skips medication for one day, Jim gets very violent and dangerous. The people working in the prison have named him a danger if he is ever released back into society. To this day, Jim is still incarcerated in a California medical facility, with rumors that he has now joined a prison band. Now I want to go back to the medication side of things now. Like I said, there wasn't a lot about the investigation. It was so cut and dry that nobody talked about it. If Jim was given the wrong kind of medication, which it very clear was that he was, that's true, he was given the wrong kind of medication so many different times, it's probably the reason why he's so mentally unstable. He probably got himself so pumped full of these medications to try to stop these voices that he had never told somebody about, which also will not help your case. And on top of the normal drugs and alcohol that a lot of musicians, you know, practice in, he probably had a severe mental break that probably mentally changed him for the rest of his life. That's one thing that was made so clear to me, you guys, when I was talking to the psychologist. He made it so clear that if you misdiagnose and medicate somebody for something that they do not have, and they are literally pushed to the point of a mental break because of this medication, you will mentally change them. And I bet you that that's what happened to Jim. Jim Gordon, if on the right medication, could have been an amazing drummer. He was an amazing drummer. He could have done so many amazing things. And now instead, he is in a prison band playing for other prison inmates and showing that amazing skill that he has. I'm not saying it was all the doctor's fault because Jim never told them about the voices. He should have told them about the voices. I feel like his diagnosis and his story would be so different if they had got him on some sort of schizophrenic medication before a mental break. 
but Jim never told anybody. Jim Gordon used his own hands to climb the mountain of success. But once at the top, it was his own hands that brought him down. And now, it sounds like he will forever play music on a drum set surrounded by bars. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.